This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Stefano. Really? <laughs> really? I, I was wondering what accent you were going to pull this time or what I was going to be called this time, so... I'm going to have to start actually doing some research and actually like figure out your name in like, I don't know, whatever I just did. Well, that was Italian, but uh, we, you know, figure it out in Russian or something. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. That'd go over well. <laughs> um, okay. So we're, uh, we're on our climb to 100 and oh, man. man, we've got something special in store for our listeners on that one. Um, we've had a really good run here and, and today we're not disappointing. We got Joel Pilcher on the podcast. Um, Joel's a professional artist and just um, really great dude, super uh, conservation-centric, uh, but tells a story each and every time with his artwork. Just a really talented guy, and uh, it was a really cool um, get-together with Joel. I think you were away on this one too, right? You, you Another one I was get. away. You you managed to stack him up that week. I know. it's uh, Steve's away. We got to do lots of podcasts so I can get all my... Uh, all my face to face with these guys. I'm just kidding. So no, yeah, you were you were missed, uh, but we had a great chat with Joel and talked about his upbringing, uh, his passion for wildlife, and then just some of his artwork. Um, offline, we had some discussion around uh, a collaboration with Joel, and uh, we're working something in the background. I'm not going to let let it out of the bag here, but expect something for our fundraisers in the next few months uh, that we can maybe work with Joel on. And uh, so we're still working on it. We got some ideas and we're pretty excited about it. And uh, you're going to see more from Joel and collaborating with the Wild Sheep Society of BC. Pretty cool. Oh, his his stuff I've checked out is, it's unreal. Uh, he does a lot of uh, coal stuff, right? Yeah, uh, charcoal, uh, really cool. Charcoal. Like, holy crap. Just, I, I do chicken scratch. I can sit there for... 20 minutes and draw like the best stick figure there is. And I, I don't get these people that can just put pen to paper, so to speak, and just knock it out the way people like him can. One thing I love about Joel is he tells a lot of the story in his artwork. Like he, on, you go to his website, Instagram, you follow the guy and he'll actually, um, he'll document his art as he's doing it. So he'll have a reel mm-hmm. or he'll have a video and you'll sit there and you'll watch him create something over a day and he'll distill it down into like a 40 second clip or something. You're just like, wow, that's phenomenal. It's uh, oh, it, he yeah. does a great job of telling the story. Yeah. I love those. I love those, uh, the eight hours worth of drawing and 30 seconds worth of time lapse. And you just watch it come together. It's, it's unreal. It really is. Yeah. Um, okay. So just uh, one of the things, uh, wild sheep society BC today, we just dropped a new membership promotion and we're calling our conservation partner membership promotion. Really cool. What we're doing here is, uh, you know, Steve, people are always buying memberships for other people. I know you buy them for, you bought one for your wife and your daughter, who's a dedicated conservationist. I love um, Kaylee's involvement in the society. She's she's already aging sheep. So yeah, she's- Oh yeah, I, 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 I'm, for, I'm forecasting her getting a sheep before you, buddy. Just saying. Oh, I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, but um, we got this cool membership promotion. We've teamed up with our conservation partners and- um, there's two ways you can enter. You can just buy a regular membership like you normally do or upgrade, whatever the case may be, and you get points. And the more you buy, the more you, the more you spend, the more chances you get to win. So that's one option, just like a normal membership promotion. The second option is you can buy a gift for somebody. So we, we're calling it the gift of conservation. Um, for example, buy a life membership for 
you know, family member, uh, a friend. Uh, you get five chances for the person that you bought it for, and you get five chances. So you're both getting a kick at the cat. So, you know, a chance to be rewarded. The grand prize winner of that, we're going to draw that on January 3rd, and we're going to give away $1,000. You can spend it with our conservation partners. So we've got six conservation partners, pretty sweet lineup, Gunworks, Stone Glacier, Sitka, Swarrow, uh, Precision Optics, and Yeti. Pick one of those ones or a, a, you know, a derivation of that, whatever you may like. You got a thousand bucks you can spend with any one of those uh, through our conservation partners. So thanks to our conservation partners for making this happen. And just a great opportunity. Uh, like I said, I, uh, you know, as we said, you buy memberships for friends. I buy them for friends and family. And I'm definitely going to buy a few people some memberships on this promotion. Just a great opportunity to introduce them to the society, the great work that's being done for conservation. $1.18 million over the last five years, less than five years. Uh, that's a pretty good footprint on the landscape. So, um, yeah, let's share this with friends and family. Uh, anyone that's as passionate about wild sheep as you are. And um, and we'll just continue to grow and do what we do and look after wild sheep and wildlife in British Columbia. Oh, totally agree. It's uh, the only problem I would have is there, there's so many places, like there's six places there that I could spend a thousand bucks. Like, I've, I've got a lot of that stuff, but where would I spend it? There's That's a good problem to have. Uh, it really is. Yeah. It really is. And you can, of course, add extra money on top, right? If you, that's a thousand dollar gift certificate to, to add on to whatever you want to do. So $2,000 pair of binos could be a thousand bucks, right? It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. It's a sweet deal. Um, so yeah, head over to wildsheepsociety.com, click on the membership tab and uh, pick up a, a membership. And Hey, if you've been listening to the podcast, um, you know, we'd love for you to give back a little bit. Um, you know, obviously we provide this fee for free. Um, but, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to, Love to see you involved, um, share more of what we do, uh, get a great magazine. There's a lot of great benefits to being a member and just being part of the club, being part of an organization that does what we do for wild sheep and wildlife in British Columbia. So, And that magazine's totally revamped and changed. It's it's looking great. It really has. We've done a lot of, a lot of great work there. So, Absolutely. All right. So with that. Head over to wildsheepsociety.com, pick up a membership, and we're going to share episode 98 with you, Joel Pilcher, and uh, enjoy the listen. The perception of hunting you know, ha has changed. It's our duty now, our responsibility as hunters, to change it back. We've spent the last few decades trying you know, espousing that, that message, preaching that message about wildlife conservation. You know, we've, it's fallen on deaf ears, all of our attempts. I think what, what we have to do is, is maybe uh, appeal to the emotional side or the visceral side. We have to tell our story. We know what we are. We know how deeply we care about wildlife. It's just the people out there that are, that are you know, voting to get rid of hunting, they don't understand our stories. Sometimes we, we have to translate it to something that they understand. Well, good afternoon, Joel. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Um, I see you're in the studio. Tell us where you're coming from today. I'm at home. I work from home. I live in uh, live in Utah, just about thirty minutes uh, 
west of Salt Lake City. So I've just got a little area set up in my basement where I have my studio, my easel, and do my painting, my charcoal work, and a little bit of sketching and stuff here. So yeah. Awesome. That's uh, Command Center. It looks awesome in there. And I can see you got a, a real cool charcoal going on right now. So really, really awesome, man. Yeah. So you're a Utah native, hey, born and raised and spent your whole life there? Yeah, that's right. Cool. Yep. I was uh, raised in uh, just south of Salt Lake City, so I'm not, not too far from where I live now. But uh, yeah, grew up in, out here in the Rocky Mountains and spent a lot of time up in the, up in the hills and in the outdoors and enjoying the beautiful areas out here and the wildlife and everything. So yeah, born and raised in Utah. It's a pretty awesome, uh, awesome spot to raise a family. And, uh, and especially if you're an outdoors type of person like you are, it, it doesn't get any better. I just, I, yeah, Utah is just such a great place to be. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we've been, honestly, we've been tempted to move away a few times, but it just haven't, haven't ever pulled the trigger. Cause it's just, there's so much that Utah has to offer that you can't find anywhere else. It's just a wide, wide variety of uh, geography and terrain, you know, from the Red Rocks down south to the Alpine, you know, and up in the Quake, Quakies and uh, pine trees up, up above the, you know, up north. And you get uh, Lake Powell. It's hard to beat if you haven't been to Lake Powell. I mean, that's, that's one place that you, you ought to have on your bucket list because that's a, it's an incredible area down there. It's unlike anywhere else as far as I've experienced. So yeah, Utah's, you know, and then you get the winter. I, I'm a fan of snow sports as well. Done some snowmobiling and snowboarding in the wintertime. And it, uh, you know, they say it's the greatest snow on earth. And I tend to agree <laughs> from my experience. <laughs> right. So yeah, Utah's, Utah's an awesome area. Cool. So it's pretty diverse, you know, ecosystem. There's, you know, lots of, lots of different stuff that you talked about there if you kind of pinpointed kind of your favorite if you if you're like okay this this is the place you got to go see where would you where if i was come down and check things out and you said you got to see it and there was only one thing where would you take me um i think you'd have to go to a red rock area whether whether it's moab or um saint george or you know around uh, lake powell lake powell area I mean, if it's if it's summertime and you can get to Lake Powell, that's like I said, it's just hard to hard to find anywhere else like that. But Moab, Moab's incredible for off roading, mountain biking. Um, yeah, it'd have to be one of those two. The mountains are incredible as well. You know, the Wasatch and the Uintas, but uh, I think other other states have similar areas with the Pines and Quakies and you know that that type of terrain. So it it'd have to be Moab or Lake Powell area. Those Red Rock areas are just so much fun to see and it's uh it's funny when we go because we do, we go down there quite a bit and every once in a while when we're there i just have to i have to take a step back and <clears throat> try to look at it through you know fresh view fresh perspective because we're so used to it because i grew up here but to, to step back and just try to imagine what it'd be like to be there for the first time again and and that helps to kind of bring back the the majesty of the area and that feeling and it, it's just yeah, it's incredible down in the, around those parts. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your, I guess, your uh, upbringing and, and how you, you know, how you evolved into, I guess, the art side of things, but then the connection to wildlife. And so maybe let's start with the wildlife side of things first. And then, you know, but I want to meld the two and how they came together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I've always loved 
the wildlife. I, I grew up uh, hunting with my dad. We, we'd go out every year in the fall. Uh, usually, when I was really young, we'd just go on the, you know, the general season rifle deer hunt, hunting mule deer, and uh, we'd go up there every year, and it was, it was always a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed the time. It was, it was mainly, you know, like for a lot of people, it was mainly the time, spending the time with my dad and, and building that relationship with him. And, but I, I did love the chase. You know, I loved, uh, you know, stalking the animals and uh, just a lot of excitement there. Um, and then as I got older, you know, we, we started, when I started hunting, we did a lot of black powder muzzleloader hunting. So that, that was a lot of fun as well. But I've just always had a love for the wildlife, loved seeing them out there. Um, elk are by far my favorite uh, favorite species to draw. I, I like drawing, you know, drawing them all, but uh, something about the the elk, and especially if I can do a big bugling bull, it just, I don't know, it just flows, just flows out of my mind and through my hands and onto the canvas, and it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a passion I have, drawing bull elk. So, but yeah, just it's from the time I was a little kid. I mean, we, we went up to, we'd go up to Yellowstone quite a bit and, you know, see the bison up there and, you know, up through Idaho, Island Park area. We'd, we'd go, we used to go up to Island Park every year when I was a kid. Um, in the wintertime, actually, on snowmobiling. And it was always fun to see moose up there. We'd always see a lot of moose in the wintertime down in the willows, you know, with the, in the waterways with the, in the river areas. And yeah, man, just something about seeing the wildlife and their natural habitat was always inspiring to me. So on the art side of things, um, you know, you mentioned bull elk and I have to say it like, you know, your, your stuff is amazing, but that recent one that you did and, and you, uh, that, that painting that you, or that, that work artwork you have above your, I think it's above your fireplace. Um, recent one that you framed is absolutely stunning. Um, what, what is it about elk? Is it because of your natural connection with the animal or is it just the, and they're beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And I can see why that attraction would be there regardless, but is it, is it the animal that attracts you or just the natural beauty of it or the artistic connection? Where does it come in? Um, it's a lot of different things. It, it's, you know, there's nothing, nothing like being up on the mountain and hearing an elk bugle, you know, that just that, that, uh, ghostly, almost otherworldly sound of them bugling, you know, and echoing through the pines and everything. That's, that's always just fascinated me. And I've always loved that. But, but when it comes right down to the technical side of it as well, the texture and the antlers, I, I love. Um, they're actually, their facial structure and facial features are pretty, pretty challenging to, to render and to do accurately. And uh, I think initially that, that I, I like a challenge and that was always a challenge to, to get a, a bull elk's face done correctly. And now that after a lot of practice, I've gotten to where I can do it pretty well. So it's always fun to to take on that challenge and be able to complete it and uh, make it look good. But uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of different things. And I mean, I, I have to be honest too, it's, it's a top seller, <laughs> you know, so it, it's uh, 10 to one over all my other work, you know, bull elk or it's kind of the money maker for me. It, uh, it puts food on the table for my family. So I'm sure that uh, that plays into it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So from your early days, like you talked about being out with your father and, and that connection, that familial connection. I know you take your kids out now too. Um, 
early days, was it always mule deer that you guys were chasing? Uh, like what, what, uh, what was kind of, I guess, a first memory hunt for you when you were out, out hunting with your, with your family? Yeah, it was, it was a uh, mule deer, uh, for the most part when I was younger. Um, and, and I don't know that there was one specific experience. I do remember when I was young, my dad was a, he was a, he started out as a carpenter. That's what he did for a living. And, um, it was tough. It was a tough way to make a living. And I remember every winter as, you know, as the weather would come in and it, work would slow down for the company that he was working for and they'd almost every winter they'd lay him off so he'd go a few months during the winter where he didn't have any work and leading up to that you know would be the fall hunts and and we'd go out and we'd we'd chase mule deer and I remember it was uh it was for my dad it was part of he depended on the meat to feed our family and I remember just it was you know just once or twice where we didn't didn't actually, we weren't able to, to take a mule deer. And I remember the look on his face, and I've shared this before, but I remember the look on his face, you know, and it, it was a worry, concern, because he wasn't sure that he had the means to, you know, to feed his family throughout the winter, those times that we didn't take, you know, weren't able to get an animal. And it, uh, I remember that, I, that is, it was impressionable on me at that time. And just how much that meant to him to be able to go out and to hunt and actually provide, you know, for his family. It's something that was crucial to be able, being able to support us. And then, you know, later on, he, he ended up starting his own business and, you know, worked hard and was able to become a general contractor and um, work got a lot more steady. And then it, you know, became more of the recreational and us, you know, being able to spend time together. But I do. I mean, those those early hunts when when it was something that was important for us to be able to make it through the winter. Those I think were some of the, some of the hunts that I remember the most. Yeah, right on. Um, now, with regards to your your career, I think I remember reading that you talked early on. You you, know, you were looking at carpentry and you were involved in a little bit, and you, there was kind of a fork in the road where you had to make a decision. Um, I guess before we even get to that. You know, when did you start drawing? Were you like two years old with a pencil and, you, you know, you were always doodling? Or is this something you kind of, you know, obviously you're born with it clearly, but where did that, how did that evolution take place for you, Joel? Yeah, I've, I've always loved drawing from the time I was a little kid. And I, I tell a story about <clears throat> when, when I first was, you know, exploring my, my talents and abilities, I was always getting very frustrated. Like a lot of people do when they're trying to, trying to draw, you can see this image is, picture in your head and it's hard to get it to um, transfer down to a, a piece of paper when you're drawing or coloring and I faced those same frustrations when I was young and but I but I did have um, a natural you know some natural gift for it and my parents recognized that my mom I remember she went out and um, bought me a he-man tracing book because I was a big fan of he-man when I was a kid and so she got me this tracing book and I was able to go through, you know, had the coloring, Im- the images, pages that you could color, but then the semi-transparent sheet in between, and I was able to use that tracing paper to, to draw out the, the shapes of the, the characters and stuff. And I think that's, that's initially where, where I started being able to kind of train, you know, train my hand to, to do what my mind could see. And I, I remember that being significant as when I was young, that, uh, that, that helped me out a lot to kind of progress. And, but from then, you know, from that time, I've 
since then I've always just loved drawing and I've um, worked hard to improve. I know there was a time when I was in, even in elementary school, I had ideas of making money with my artwork and I'd do these little pictures of, I'd, you know, find a student that was interested, a, you know, classmate and I'd, I'd draw up their name with some sort of a scenery around it, there's a volcano or some dinosaurs or something like that. And I'd have, you know, kids stand around watching me as I was drawing and I'd end up selling those little pieces for, you know, a quarter or 50 cents or something like that. So even from early on, I was trying to find a way to uh, make a little bit of money with my artwork. But yeah, it's, it started early for me and I just, I worked hard to, to develop it. And it, it, it's, been a, it's been a long, long winding road to get to where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. Now that it's a, a job that you're doing it for a living, does it change that, you know, there's one thing to be doing something because you love it. There's another thing to be doing it for a living and, you know, it, it has its plus and minuses, but is it, is it changed for you as now that this is the day job you get up in the morning, you're going down to the studio and this is what you're doing all day. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I love it more than ever, honestly. Um, I, I never get tired of the drawing and painting side of it. Um, I look forward to it every day. It, it's awesome. You know, and, to be able to look forward to Monday morning. I, I feel blessed for that, you know, for that. But uh, I was just, I was actually just talking to my wife today saying how I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I do get burned out on marketing it, you know, and it, sometimes I wish I could just, just kind of hunker down in my studio and just, just paint and just draw and just do it because it's what I love to do. You know, I, I don't have a lot to complain about, but it does get, at times it gets uh, tedious and, and difficult to continue because I, I do all my marketing through social media, you know, and in email campaigns and stuff like that. So it, it but it, it, it's time consuming to get my work out in front of people. And uh, it's always a challenge with social media, with the algorithms and, you know, playing that game and trying to keep up with uh, the way things change and, you know, how things are always, always different and evolving with, with Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So that that part does get a little bit uh, tedious, but but again, I I can't really complain because I am I'm, I'm living my dream, you know, and and I'm able to provide for my family doing it. So it's 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 yeah, it hasn't hasn't changed a ton. I still love it. Awesome. Let's talk a little bit about inspiration. So. Uh, obviously, clearly, there's a, a wildlife trend in, in every, a lot a lot of what you do, but not exclusively. Uh, there, obviously, that there's that uh, piece behind you with Santa in it. You've got uh, yeah. Uh, your your I've seen you did a Frankenstein one recently. So <laughs> so what's what's how does that work? Do you, and are, is there stuff where you're out in nature, for example, you see and you experience something, and you're like it's locked in, and you're like I'm going to go create that. Is there is there a collaborative aspect where you, I think I read somewhere that sometimes you collaborate with maybe a photographer. How, what, what's your inspiration for a lot of these pieces that you do, Joel? Yeah, I do use, I use photo reference for all of my work where, where it's so um, detailed and realistic. You know, it's hard to get that kind of detail without, uh, without the reference material, without the reference photos. So I do work with, I work with wildlife photographers, you know, to, to gain permission to use their, their work for, for reference for my artwork. Um, I change, I obviously change it quite a bit, um, from, from where the photo is to where my final piece ends up. But, um, um, you know, I do mostly wildlife mainly because that's what I love the most. 
I do enjoy, you know, expanding beyond that occasionally. And it's just a lot of fun. I like to, I like to draw pretty much anything, but wildlife is, you know, it's what I enjoy the most. And I, you know, I, I do find inspiration in the outdoors. I try to get out as much as possible. I do a lot of mountain biking. Um, I've got a, you know, some four wheelers side by side that I try to get out into the outdoors and spend as much time as possible. I don't often, you know, see a lot of the animals that I, that I like to draw and paint. You know, I see a lot of mule deer, occasionally see some elk, you know, if I go on trips, I'll see bison and stuff like that. But, um, but I don't, I don't have to see the animal. It helps to see the animal in their natural habitat, but I don't have to, to be inspired by the outdoors. Just being up in the mountains and seeing the way light and shadow plays across habitat and terrain, you know, and just mainly, honestly, I think it's more psychological than anything, just being able to get up there and it's, it's kind of, it's where I, you know, I can find Find that inspiration, find peace, and just it opens my mind, and I just feel better. And I've said before that if I can get out on the on the mountain for a bike ride or something like that in the morning before I come and work in my studio, then every just everything just seems to flow a lot better as I uh, work through my processes and stuff. So, so yeah, I find find a lot of inspiration in the, in the outdoors itself as well. Uh, right on. So. Are there scenarios, like you said, you know, not always seeing the wildlife, but is there something where you'll, you'll capture a scene um, or maybe even you know, picture a video or something like that, and you'll take that back um, and use that for a piece of your work or not necessarily? Not, not very often. I mean, it, a, a really important part of, I feel like an important part of my artwork is the reference imagery. And how I, you know, the, the quality of that imagery, um, it, it, ha it pay plays a big part in the, the final um, outcome of my piece and the, the quality of my piece. So I gotta, you know, I, give, I try to give credit as often as possible to the photographers that I work with because I know they put in a lot of hard, hard work and it takes a lot of talent on their end as well to come up with that imagery, that, you know, that starting point for me. And, um, so <laughs> to be honest, I'm just not that good of a photographer there. It's more of the mental images that I see, you know, and like I said, kind of seeing how the light plays across the land and the terrain. And, you know, I just, that feeling, I try to bring that into, into some of the pieces that, that I do. And, and that's, you know, a lot of times that's how I'll, um, change and manipulate the references with with lighting and with the background and I don't do a ton of detail in the the landscape and habitat I try to keep that more secondary to the subject the animal and even even more a little more abstract um, which just you know that lends to my individual style and it's a lot what I like to do but, but yeah awesome so a typical piece for you so you start off let's say so you get I, I knew you see a a piece of artwork or a photography that inspires you and you go, okay, I want to do something there. Start to finish. What's your timeline on something like that project? And I know they vary depending on size and a whole bunch of other factors, but an average, would you say, um, would, that you'd put into something? Yeah. Well, well, first off, uh, what you mentioned there kind of, it made me think, I actually, I don't, I don't usually start with the image. I usually start with an idea, a composition in my head, and then I go out and look look for an image that 
that uh, matches what I, you know the composition that I have in my mind. And uh, you know, I'm I'm real flexible with that. So I'm able to take something that's maybe not exactly what I had in mind, but you know, this this reference image. If I take this and you know take this portion of it and maybe leave that portion out, then I can then crop it a different way. Then I can you know kind of create that that idea or concept that I had in my mind. But uh, once I actually start working on the image, it, it all depends on, you know, it varies by size, by medium, by the subject matter, the content in it, you know, whether there's one or two subjects or more going on. But I, I typically average uh, a few days for charcoal, depending on the size and the complexity of it, to a few weeks for painting. You know, charcoal, my charcoal stuff goes a lot quicker. Um, the painting, when, I, when I'm painting, you know, color that just takes a lot more time for me to develop those those images. So with regards to that, you know, you, you mentioned charcoal and, and that a lot of your content is that, do you have a preference? It, like obviously that that's, does well for you, but is that your preference? Do you like the painting side of it or do you like to s switch it up? What, what's a preferred, uh, I guess, medium for you? <clears throat> I'd have to say that I enjoy the charcoal process more. That's like, that's my first love. My first passion is, is black and white and working with the charcoal. And I've worked hard to develop kind of a unique style with the charcoal, especially working charcoal on canvas. It's uh, not, not something that many artists do. And I've worked hard to develop that, that process and it, the, the result, I'm, I'm always excited about it because it, it uh, creates such a diff different result than traditional charcoal work. My, my final product with charcoal is much more durable and higher, you know, just the actual physical product is higher quality than what you typically get when you do charcoal on paper. But, uh, so I enjoy the charcoal process more, but painting, painting is more difficult for me, but sometimes the, the end result on painting, it just, sometimes I, I, when I'm done, I step back and I look at it and I'm like, holy cow, I did. I did that. <laughs> yeah, so, so sometimes the result is more more satisfying with the painting. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I enjoy it all, but uh, yeah, I just lucky I get to do both. I guess. Yeah, it's cool. So, do you see an evolution in your your work? Like, um, obviously, you, you as time marches on, you know things do change a little bit. But do you see yourself ten years from now doing? obviously in the, in the world of art, but doing something completely different, like a different medium, uh, different, you know, um, do you see any evolution there or do you, you, you kind of see staying in your lane? I, I would, I'm, I'm going to guess there will be evolution. I, I like to try new things. I like to push my limits. I like to explore. Um, I, I've always considered art to be an adventure and that's, um, like, like with the charcoal on canvas, you know, that's something when I first had the idea, I went out and looked, to see if anybody was doing it and I didn't, I couldn't find anything, any instruction on it, any tutorials on it or anything. So, and that to me was exciting because I was like, nobody's doing this. I bet I can make it work. And it was fun to go through the trial and error and, you know, different, different ideas, different processes until I was able to put together a complete process that, that worked for me. And then I went from there and started adding a, uh, an acrylic wash which makes, so I've got my black and white charcoal stuff and then I've got kind of the tonal stuff that is a, it's a mixed media. I use charcoal and acrylic together on that one, on that, that style. And then I have my, just my acrylic paint. But, but developing that style with the acrylic wash that I put down first and then um, 
laying the charcoal over top. That that's what that was exciting to for me to figure out as well to go through that process and exploration. And I've got other ideas. You know, I got more I want to try, more things I want to experiment with. So yeah, I I foresee there being uh, more progression, and I mean I see it not not just in the processes, but the more you know, the more I work, the more I push myself, I, I see improvement as well in, in the actual, you know, technical side of drawing and painting. And I look back some of the first pieces I did four or five years ago, I'm like, you know, it's, it's okay, but I like where I'm at now better. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like how far I've come. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. Uh, so professionally, is it, I think I read in your bio that you, you were a founder of like three different companies, like Mountain Ops and a couple of, is that, is that true as well? You, is there anything you can't do? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and it was, uh, yeah, it, it's been, like I said, I mentioned in the beginning, it's been a long winding road to get to where I'm at. And a lot of that is just because it's, it's not easy to make a living as an artist. Um, I always wanted to from the time I was a little kid, you know, up in the mountains with the wildlife. My, my dream was to become a wildlife artist, but uh, it's, it's not easy to make money as a wildlife artist. And especially, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was much more difficult, um, you know, since the, you know, since the emergence of social media as a, as a tool for marketing and getting my work out in front of people, in front of customers. Um, that, that's made it a lot easier, but prior, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older guy. I'm, I'm in my forties. So I was around before Facebook and Instagram and social media. And back then when I was trying to be, be an artist, it was a lot more difficult. And what I ended up doing was turning to, um, graphic design and digital art and digital illustration. So that's where I started as an artist it was uh, on the, on the digital side of things. And with that, I was always had a strong entrepreneurial spirit always wanted to create companies and having the artistic ability and the graphic design um, knowledge that I had, I got into a lot of branding and marketing and that just led to starting companies, you know, with the, the desire that I had to, to build brands and, and do that kind of stuff and, and the skills that I had it just led from one company to another one, one uh, failure to another. And then eventually, eventually after, Quite a few tries. I got a couple that uh, that worked out pretty well. Um, but yeah, I helped start a a, um, a marketing slash design firm that then kind of morphed into a you know the Mountain Ops, the nutritional supplement company that's out there now in the hunting industry. And I was one of the original founders there. Helped develop the brand and manage the creative team for the first few years the company was in existence. And it was awesome. It was a fun ride. Yeah. Um, ended up ended up going a different direction. Um, just different things happen, you know, as as they do sometimes with companies and partnerships. But uh, yeah, it was an awesome experience. I don't regret any of it. I learned a lot, and um, yeah, still still keep in contact with the guys from Mountain Ops, and it's uh, it's fun to see that company continue to progress and see my brand out there in the world, you know, in the wild, yeah. see, see the, see the logo all the time. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool to see. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's touch a bit, a bit on, um, some of the, I think you've done some collaboration on the conservation side of things. So, um, I believe you, you did a collaboration with Orvis and that sort of stuff. So maybe touch a little bit on that and the, and the conservation side of aspect of it and, and that 
that aspect of it, if you don't mind for us, Joel. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I work often with conservation groups. That one with Orvis that you're talking about, that was, uh, I worked through uh, Pheasants Forever and they, they put the whole deal together. I've worked with them on quite a few projects and it's just, it's a great group of guys, fun to work with them. Um, they've been really good to me, giving me opportunities and exposure and it's been great. And it's, it's awesome for me. Uh, and I, I think I, I just did a podcast with them recently and I mentioned this in that podcast, but it's when it comes to con- conservation side of things, I feel like I, I owe so much to the hunting community specifically and on, to the, to the wildlife that's out there. You know, that's how I, that's how I make my living. That's how I feed my family and, and to be able to, you know, help raise a little bit of money to give back, um, you know, to help with habitat preservation and, and conservation of these these species it's it's awesome it, it's something that i'm really grateful for i've worked with you know pheasants forever i've done a lot with uh, rocky mountain elk foundation as well um, i've done their their banquet print for the last three years the, we've got two previous ones and then 2023 we're just uh, just working on uh just about to go to press with uh with that one for their 2023 banquet program. And I've worked with Mule Deer Foundation. They're right here local in Salt Lake City. So yeah, I had, I had a lot of opportunity to work with conservation groups and it's been, it's been good. It's uh, nice to be able to um, think that my work may be, may be helping a little bit with some of those efforts. Yeah, well, I, no question it does. And then, you know, just the awareness too, right? That, you know, you look at your influencers and, and the people behind you and sharing your messages and the, and the fact that you're sharing your your product and telling your story through your platform, uh, it goes a long way. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, family. Uh, so, you know, you, you were raised up in a hunting family, um, had the influence of your, you know, your father, um, let's talk about the next generation of pilchers. Let's talk a little bit about um, getting them out in the field. Do we have any aspiring artists coming out of the fold there? What's happening on, on that end of things? Yeah, yeah. All my kids are showing promise on the art side of things. They, they've they got talent. I've got uh, my oldest son, is he, he'll be 18 in about a week and a half. So that's really making me feel old. But uh, he's he, he's... He's actually he. It's funny he he will he has a lot of interest in graphic design and art. When I, I I don't do as much graphic design now, but back when I did, even when he was younger, he'd sometimes just stand over my shoulder and watch me as I would design logos and stuff. And he would surprisingly have some some very uh, quality suggestions on some of the stuff I was doing. And there's a few things that a few tweaks that I made at his suggestion that ended up really having a you know, a, a major impact on the final result of the, the project and kept, kept his suggestion in it. And it, so it was kind of, it's fun to see that. And, you know, he has some skill with drawing as well, along with my other kids. They all love to draw, love art. And I think uh, some of them may, may my, <laughs> my wife says it's a blessing and a curse, <laughs> you know, but she's, she's been, been with me through the, the the good times and the bad as far as my profession goes so yeah being an artist can isn't always easy but uh but there's potential for it to be really really good so yeah i hope i hope they're able to you know pursue that whether it's as a, a profession 
or even just as a hobby, something that, you know, because doing art is very, very therapeutic. So if they can maintain that, that love for it and develop it even further and be able to turn to art, you know, whether it's to make, to make money or just to, to relax and enjoy as part of enjoying life, you know, I hope, I hope they're able to do that. Yeah. Now with you, hundred percent self-taught or is there any, like somebody like, obviously you talked about the early days where you had your Hulk, or sorry, was it the Hulk, um, tracing? He met, he met, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, was it all self-taught or, or was there ever an element where you went to school and obviously lots of, you know, support along the way, but like technical training. I did. I, I mean, I went to, I took art classes in high school and then I did, I did uh, one or two semesters of college, but it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't helping. It was just wasn't helping me progress like I wanted to. And I found I could, I found I could learn more on my own. Um, you know, look at going online for inspiration. So self-taught's kind of a tricky term, if you ask me. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've, I mean, self-instructed, I guess, maybe. But I, I do, I have, you know, watched a lot of tutorials. You know, YouTube's great for that. I've been inspired by a lot of different artists, you know, looked to their work and their techniques and, and processes. So, yeah, it's self-instructed but self-taught i don't know it's inspired by many self-taught but inspired by many maybe is a good way to put it right on so now with but no but no no formal education as far as art school or anything like that yeah cool so now with your kids you know showing some interest in aspiring and your son now being 18 would you ever say you know go to university or go to college you know or or just i guess it's kind of like follow your dream and see where it takes you type thing i think it worked well for you obviously you didn't need to go to school for that yeah yeah i mean formal or traditional education is kind of a tricky thing now i think it all comes down to you know the the career path that you're looking at i think obviously there's some some profession where professions where it's you know it it's completely necessary you have to go to school have to get a degree but at this point i think there's a lot a lot of others where not only is it not necessary, but I think there are probably even better ways to educate yourself to find that education that you need rather than going to to a college or university. As far as my kids go, we've you know we kind of I kind of expressed that to him. It, the the thing with my my oldest son, he's not only is he gifted with art, but he's also a math whiz, which I don't know where he get. He doesn't get that from me. That must come from his mom because I'm terrible with numbers. <laughs> but he's really good. So he has, he has a lot of interests, and I think he's going to have a lot of options, which may prove to be more difficult for him. He's going to have to – it's going to be a tougher decision for him to make, um, not just on you know, his career path, but his education as well. So we're encouraging him to you know, keep all doors open, and he's his senior year of – high school right now so we're you know trying to help him get figure out what he needs to do to apply for some scholarships just so he has the option but uh he's gonna have to he's at that point that that fun point in life where he's got to start making some big decisions yeah you might have to expand the studio downstairs you might have to make some big ones yourself (laughs) yeah yeah no there's been some talk of that too I'm, i'm not sure exactly what he wants to do but he's got a little bit of time but there's there's some potential for that. I've got, uh, you know, I've got some ideas with my business that were, if I had a little more help, I could expand it and do some fun things. And he'd be, he'd be an excellent, uh, 
you know, excellent guy to have around to help out with some of that stuff. Uh, right on. So in terms of projects coming up, anything exciting you can share with us? Anything you want to talk about? Or is it a lot of your stuff you, you got to keep it under lock and key until it's it's ready to roll? No, no. Most of my stuff is, you know, it's I, I work at most of it on my own timetable. And not, not much of it is, you know, unless I'm doing a custom commission for some sort of a Christmas or, or birthday gift. And I usually, they, I'm usually asked to keep that stuff quiet. But right now I don't have... I don't do a, a ton of commissions. I occasionally take on one here and there, but but no, I've got some cool stuff coming up. Um, I'm I finished up that piece for Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation with the it, it's a guy with a you know on a horse with a leading the pack horse behind him with an elk elk on it, and I had such a huge response from it, and I had so much fun creating it. I've actually got another concept in the works for to do another one similar with you know with some pack horses. So I got that one coming up and then I'm actually I'm actually going to be teaming up with Mountain Ops on the project. Um, I've, if, if you go to my Instagram, you can I just posted about it a week or two ago. I did a, a concept sketch of a guy packing out an elk. So he's a bow hunter, you know, just on foot packing an elk out on his back. And I'm really excited about that project. But I've been talking with Mountain Ops a little bit about doing some sort of a collaboration with it. Um, so, so that's something coming up that should be a lot of fun as well. And I got this Santa Claus piece that I'm about done with trying to finish that up in time to have it out there so that it's available for purchase, uh, before Christmas for the Christmas season hits. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. And then after that, I, I've got, I've got a list a mile long of subjects I want to draw and paint. <laughs> so it's just kind of going to that list and seeing which one feels right. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Um, one thing I was going to talk to you about, one thing that I love about what you do, Joel, is you tell your story quite often with your artwork um, through Instagram. So you got your stories or your, your videos and you, and you, uh, you know, you document everything that you're doing. Um, you know, do you enjoy that aspect of it? Is it a lot of work? Like, it, you know, it's great for content. It's great for somebody that's checking your workout, but is it a pain in the neck or is it something you really enjoy is sharing your process through that? I enjoy it. I do. Um, it is a lot of work and it does take away from, you know, the actual creation time and, and it kind of disrupts the flow a little bit. So it is, it is, it is work. Um, but I do, it is fun to be able to put it out there for people to see and to get the reaction and the engagement from the audience. Um, I, I, I enjoy, you know, seeing their reaction. I also, I actually, I get a ton of questions from other artists, from aspiring artists and, you know, other, other people out there that are working in the industry and trying to make a living at it and everything. And I, I enjoy um, interacting with them and answering questions and having, you know, discussions and conversations through social media with those art, other artists as well. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's probably, you know, 80% enjoyable, <laughs> 20%, you know, kind of where it disrupts the flow, the creative flow a little bit, but it's, yeah, that's what I gotta do. It's marketing. You have to market. I have to market my work, so it's part of the part of the deal. Yeah, well, you do a fantastic job, and I, you know I, that's what I was thinking. I'm looking at this. I'm like, this is so cool. Uh, I, I loved your elephant sketch. Was really really cool. I loved uh, that uh, watching that evolve. But I'm thinking, man, you everything you're doing, you got to think about where you're standing and how you're creating, and you know, it's just a lot of work goes into that. I can imagine. So, 
Yeah, yeah. It was fun. Just the other day, my wife came down to my studio area and I was tripping over cords and knocking over tripods. And it's like, I told I never imagined, you know, when I, when I thought it'd be cool to be a, a, you know, a professional artist one day, I never imagined that I'd have so many lights set up and so many tripods and cameras and <laughs> all this equipment cords everywhere. <laughs> I try to keep that, you know, behind the scenes so it doesn't distract. But yeah, it's, it's a little different than what I imagined it would be, but, but it's good. Yeah. Awesome. Um, from, you know, you talked about aspiring artists and, and sort of this mentoring piece and you talked about you being mentored and you mentoring others. How important is that? You know, um, is that, is that kind of the, the heart of, of what, what you believe in and, and how important is that to, to pass that along to the next generation? You're creating co- competition effectively, right? But, uh, you know, how important is that to you? Yeah, I heard, I don't remember where it was or where I heard it, but it was years and years ago. I heard somebody say that life gives to givers and takes from takers. Mm. And that that hit me really hard when I heard that. And I decided that I wanted to kind of take that on as a mantra. And, and since I heard that, I've, I've been just willing to share everything I learned. And it, it really, in my opinion, it really has worked out that way where I've been blessed because I don't, you know, I, anytime anybody asks me a question about my processes, about what I do, how I'm marketing it, anything like that. I try to be as open as possible. And I, I can only see, honestly, I can only see good things that have come from it. Um, it it's not, not always typical of artists in the art industry. Some are a lot more secretive with, with what they do and you know how they do it, but, uh, and you know, to each their own. But to me, it's just been, I, I think it's been more of a blessing to be open and to share and to, you know, give because, I think it's true. Life gives to givers and takes from takers. And it's just, it's worked out well for me. I can't say how, how it would be for everybody else. But for me, it's, it's been, it's been a good kind of philosophy to live by. Awesome. Um, so let's talk hunting. What's, uh, do you got anything on the, on the dock of this fall for any hunts or what's on the agenda? I don't. I don't. To be honest, I've uh, I kind of fell out of hunting a few years ago. It's been, it's probably been four or five years since I've been hunting. Um, I've every every year when uh, spring rolls around and you know time to put in for draws here in Utah, I'm always tempted. Mm-hmm. But uh, the last four or five years, I haven't. You know, every 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 year in the spring, I get a call from my dad or a text message from me. Hey, we're gonna do it this year. And I'm like, I don't know, are we? And he's like. Nah, man, nah, let's not. <laughs> and we end up going, we end up going fishing or mountain biking or something like that instead. So we, we still get out there and enjoy it. But uh, I think, uh, I don't know, I may get back into it one day. I, I think uh, I, I've tried to get my kids into it and they just haven't shown any interest at all. Um, I took them a few times years ago. And I think, so I think that makes it tough for me to, with, you know, limited amount of time and stuff with my family, if I'm going to, take time off of work and, and, you know, I want to, I want to spend it with my family and I just haven't shown that interest in it. But, uh, yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. I hope, I hope to, I hope to, but I still get out there. I mean, we had just, we go up to Idaho every fall and do some mountain biking, me and my dad. And, and I think it was last year, the year, maybe it was the year before we got up, got up into back into the hills and got into a herd of elk and they were bugling and it was, 
It was it was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that so, that's it yeah. for me. And I my biggest thing is just being out there, right? If I have the um, you know, I I went a two week sheep hunt this fall and never you know never lifted my rifle, but had nothing to do with that. It had just had to be out in the landscape, being out there with those animals and seeing them, and that's the connection for me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So. On that note, how about some sheep? I see there's a little bit of sheep stuff in there, but it's uh, not sheep heavy. So, how often do you do you do, do sheep work? Um, I I actually love I love drawing and painting sheep. Um, funny, I I don't know if it's my audience, if it's if I you know I, I kind of I built my social media audience. With, through collaborations and I did a lot of collaborations with you know with Hush and with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and with Elk 101 and um, even Mountain Ops you know it was more kind of elk central or centric you know so that that that's that's kind of my audience so I don't know if I I, I don't know if I have a lot of sheep hunters or not um, I try to do more <laughs> I, I would love to do more but every time I draw a sheep my wife's like what are you why are you doing that they just don't sell like why aren't you drawing an elk you know because <laughs> they just don't sell as well for me and, and for my audience. But no, I've actually always been kind of partial to sheep. You know, elk are my favorite, but sheep are a, a close second there. And they're just, I've, I've, I've done a few pieces that I've really, really enjoyed and I hope to do more. Well, if you but, look at it from a purely um, numbers perspective, you know, you, you look at how many elk tags are sold in the U.S. each year and how many sheep yeah. tags and that right there says it all, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, but I do, I do, I do enjoy drawing and painting them. They're a fun species. They're a challenge. Those, uh, you know, the rings on the horns that that takes so much time. Mm-hmm. It's so so tedious. But uh, but man, they're cool animals. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to try and talk you into some sort of collaboration on the sheep side of things. See if we can get uh, get yeah. a sheep market created for you here in in Canada or the U.S. or something. So. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I sell a lot of artwork to to Canada. It's it's fun. I've been appreciate the support I've gotten from from up north of the border. It's been it's been really good. Yeah, awesome. Um, so plans for the fall? You uh, you said you're going to do some fly fishing and some off roading with the family. You got uh, any anything else planned for the fall that's exciting? Um, I'm going. I'm. It looks like I'm. I'm putting together a trip going down to Moab here just in a couple of weeks on mountain biking. Going to ride the whole enchilada. Okay. It's a huge, huge ride I've always wanted to do and never, never been able to. I can't, I can't remember how far it is, but it's like, it's a shuttle ride. So we take a shuttle up to the top and then it's over 7,000 feet of descent. Wow. So it's just, just a ride coming down off the, off the mountain down into the, into the red rock area. So I got that plan, and then again, trying to get up to uh, Island Park area again to do some some riding up there as well. I do a lo- I do a lot of mountain biking. That's kind of uh, become my passion, and it uh, is a good way to get out in the outdoors and and see the wildlife and see the you know see nature and just really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. So that's kind of become my my go to for recreation. Yeah, awesome man. Well. Hey, I can't thank you enough, Joel. Uh, we've been trying to put this together for a little bit, and uh, I know that uh, you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule and uh, 
And uh, yeah, it's just awesome to connect and just, uh, just so thankful for your work, man. It's just so inspirational. And, um, you know, we've had it, we've had a number of people say to us, you got to get Joel on the podcast. We want to hear from this guy. So uh, just really thankful for you taking the time today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you inviting me on. It's, it's been, it's been great to talk to you. So thank you. Awesome.